Welcome to the official Ronnie Landis Podcast Show, where you learn to upgrade the human experience through natural nutrition, lifestyle design, and consciousness engineering. This is no ordinary health or personal growth podcast, and Ronnie Landis is definitely no ordinary host. Ronnie Landis is an integrative nutritionist, transformation coach, and human behavioral specialist. He brings on some of the world's leading thought leaders to deliver to you the most cutting-edge information and unique perspectives so you can create the life of your dreams. Get ready to receive your upgrade in all you believed was possible, starting now. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis Show, and I am your host, Ronnie Landis. Before we dive headfirst in today's groundbreaking and perspective-altering episode, I want to share a 60-second audio with you explaining my digital holistic nutrition certification program, the Holistic Health Mastery Program. This is a brand new recording, and I'm really excited to share it with you, so indulge me for 60 seconds and enjoy. Welcome to Holistic Health Mastery, the master's class of natural nutrition. This unique online certification program offers unparalleled wisdom on health, living foods, detoxification, longevity, and personal empowerment. Access a curriculum designed to offer far beyond the traditional teachings of nutrition, merging ancient wisdom with cutting-edge science, all delivered through an easy-to-use platform. Study each lesson at the comfort of your own home, on any device. Access over 70 video lessons and start from anywhere in the program. You are in control of the pace, where even a daily 20-30 to 30 minute investment is enough to complete the course within six months. Once you're ready, take the quiz and you're on your way to be certified as a holistic health master. In addition, you'll have access to extra features, such as monthly student support calls and an online community of students and masterminds actively discussing and sharing insights to support your education. It's time to invest in yourself and in future generations to come. Join the new leaders of natural nutrition and become a significant part of building a new paradigm in health and consciousness. So there you have it. That is the Holistic Health Mastery Program, and I'm so excited to continue to share this amazing opportunity with people all over the world. We have over 200 plus students from all over the world, and it's constantly growing. The feedback that I get on this is just really amazing, beyond my original expectations. So if you want to find out more information about this, you want to get in more details, you want to review the curriculum, or you're just ready to enroll right now, go to holistichealthmastery.com. And if you enter in the coupon code R-O-N-L-E-E, that's Ron Lee, you're going to get 10% off your enrollment fee, which can be pretty significant depending on which plan you choose for yourself. Again, that link is holistichealthmastery.com. Use the coupon code Ron Lee. Okay, so before we start this interview with Coop Blackston, I have to say that if you have any aversion to being profoundly inspired to having a breakthrough moment in your life within the next 50 minutes, this may not be the interview for you. This may not be what you're looking for. If you're looking to play it safe and to deal with life as it's always been and 
not have that breakthrough transcendent experience and to get the tips, the strategies, and the profound inspiration necessary in order to get to that next level, don't listen to this interview. Because if you do, there is a chance that you will have a breakthrough experience. You will have a transcendent moment of insight and a visceral experience of what your potential can be and really is at the core of you uh, from this interview. Truly remarkable human being that Coop Blackson is. I had been waiting years and years to have this conversation with him. I had been following his work for about the last, I want to say, five or six years easily, and he's made a profound impact on my life, and he's just an incredible human being, one of the most inspirational speakers that I have ever listened to. And many people feel that way towards him, especially because I've seen a lot of his uh, his process, if you will, in the professional speaking world. I've been honored to meet up with him a number of times over the years and just connect with him. And I have to say that Coop Blackson is one of the most authentic leaders that I've ever come across. I mean, when you're around this guy, he just emanates beauty. He just emanates consciousness. He emanates awareness and mindfulness. And there's a certain power that he embodies that is not really overt. It's not really, um, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's not overbearing. It's just a presence that he embodies. And you can't help but feel uplifted and empowered when you're in his presence or you're hearing his story. You know, he has a really remarkable story that we touch on in this interview where his father was a very, very well-known minister, spiritual leader, and Coot was raised in that world and raised with, with Eastern philosophy and spiritual principles, and he decided to choose a different path than to carry on the specific uh, blueprint of his father. And he talks about how challenging that was, and yet how liberating it was at the same time. And I think this is going to strike some chords for everybody out there who may feel like they are expected to walk a certain path in their life, but that path does not resonate with their heart's alignment. It's not totally in coherence. It's not in alignment with their heart's impulse. And you feel that It's time to make a break from the conventional blueprint that's been set out for you. And Coot really speaks to that. It's just such an amazing interview. I mean, you're just going to get so much out of this. I am excited just for you. I'm excited for all of you to listen to this. And I'm excited to re-listen to this maybe for the third time because it was that powerful for me personally. So... Without further ado, Coot Blackson. Enjoy. Coot Blackson is an utterly unique visionary in the world of human potential. Unlike those who promise to simply help people get what they want, Coot's life work instead reveals to people what they have to give by liberating who they are most truly and deeply. The focus is simply freedom. Welcome to the show. Great to be here, my friend. Been looking forward to it. 
Yeah, me too. I feel like I've been looking forward to this for at least five years. (laughs) Well, here we are. Manifestation in action. Yes, sir. God's delays are not God's denials. Awesome, brother. Awesome. Yeah. um, You know, before we jump in, I just want to say for the audience and for us, for you, is that I have been paying attention to your work, uh, I want to say five or six years, and I didn't really know who you were until I saw, I think, a YouTube video. And this Mm -hmm. was back when you were doing those incredible retreats where you basically transplanted people from their urban setting and whatever the lifestyle there were and stripped them of all their comforts um, and took them in different places in the world and basically gave them like this incredible transform transformative uh, experience. And that's when I first I first heard about you and your words and your enthusiasm and your passion really just, uh, you know, invoke something in me. And uh, here we are now having this conversation. Awesome, man. Well, it's uh, great to be here. Looking forward to, to exploring more. Absolutely. And um, on that note, before we jump into this, could you share with us um, what those experiences that you took people through were like? Like, um, I don't know if you still do those, those, uh, I guess, I don't know what you call them, like um, retreats, but those were very unique experiences that you were giving to people. Could you share a little bit about that? I think what you're talking, what you, I think what you're referencing is the one-on-one journeys. Yes, to India. Yes. Uh, that, yeah. So the one-on-one journeys to India, I don't really do them anymore unless it's a very unique situation, a unique person, a unique destiny with someone. But basically, what it is, it's called the liberation experience. It's one-on-one. Right now, I do like uh, twenty people to Bali type of events and larger uh, in terms of the intensives. But uh, what you're talking to is the liberation experience. I did it for about six and a half, maybe seven years. Um, It's a one-on-one intensive to India. Take away your passport, take away your money, take away uh, everything from you, so to speak. You have a backpack, a pair of clothes. You have no idea where you're going. You sign your will in case you don't come back. You write letters to everyone in your life in case you don't come back. And ultimately, you face death because so many of us, we're so busy avoiding death. We're so busy busying ourselves. We're so busy running away from death. And, and in doing that, we're kind of like you know, protecting ourselves and afraid to live. So right from the beginning is we start at surrender. We don't end there. We begin at surrender. And so often we think that we're free. But the moment you take away someone's passport, someone's identity, someone's makeup, someone's clothing, someone's whatever we use to hold on to for a sense of meanness, whatever we use to hold on to for a sense of identification, whatever we use to hold on to for a sense of freedom or, or kind of illusory confidence, uh, I take that away. And the moment you take that away, then you find out what's really left. And so I take people to India on this epic, crazy, wild journey where you have nothing and you have you go into the unknown. You have no idea where you're going. Um, and I craft and create and orchestrate a deep transformational process that is designed to <clears throat> find your greatest fears, your deepest uh, wounds, unresolved issues, um, limits on self-expression and loving, and I craft and design a process that helps you identify those and move through, heal, and transform those so that you can really step into your power for real. And they are crazy journeys. I mean, we're in about 14 cities in about 14 days, um, planes, trains, the Ganges, the Himalayas, you name it. Much of the journey is, you could say, secret, confidential in terms of the specifics, but it is 
radical. It is epic. I mean, it's no holds barred. It, like nothing is off limits, and it's it's a soul journey. I put people in situations. I create situations that bring up your deepest stuff, mm. and you're forced to uh, find the freedom inside. It's it's a it's a powerful process. Oh my goodness, I'm getting goosebumps listening to that, and um, oh, that you know brings up so much. But one of the things I wanted to I wanted to say about listening to you is that. There is a power and a resonance and a conviction behind every word that you say. And I just want to ask you, like, where does that come from for you? Where does that power come from? Well, uh, honestly, I, I, it's a a delicate question. But Uh if I I were to be really honest, that power, I mean, if I'm going to be just really honest with you, I, I really feel that uh, I don't believe it's like my power, as in Coot's power, as in this Coot mm. character's power. I believe that, <laughs> that power really is, you can call it God, you can call it pure consciousness, you can call it intelligence. For me, that power comes from knowing who and what I really am. And I think so often we live in a culture today where we are basing our confidence and power on simply our personality and our mind and our personality is really very limited but i believe that our soul when we really peel away the layers and go beyond the identification of who we think we are and our conditioning and programming of who we've created ourselves to be that we think that we're this person and you know uh, I, i really feel that the more we go beyond that and tap into who we really are our true nature our our soul force, that we are not simply this body, we are not simply this mind, we are not simply our skin color, our age, our name, our past, that what we are is beyond birth and death and we tap into that transcendental intelligence of our own being, then I believe we tap into a whole nother level of power that is not based on ego, that is not based on uh, you know, the comings and goings of the world that is based on something so far, so much more deep than the surface level things of the world. And so for me, honestly, it's my life has been a process from a very young age of exploring and and really asking myself the question, who am I? You know, who am I really? Mm. Who am I really? And And, you know, from just the kind of do a little more justice to your question, I think from the moment we're born, we're born free, right? We're born in touch with this power. If you look at a child, a child will jump on the table and sing and dance and express itself and 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 and, and, and do somersaults and, and it doesn't think, oh can I, I I what will you think of me? You know, oh I'm fat. What what's it just will just it just will express to me this is this is the real power of life that is coming through this being, coming through this child, is pure essence, you know. But mm. once we're born, somehow we meet our parents, and they're just doing the best that they can do. Some are a little crazy. Some have their own issues, you know, grandparents, teachers, friends. We go to school. Before you know it, we start getting conditioned. And, you know, maybe certain things happened as children that shouldn't have happened. Pain, trauma, abuse, abandonment, whatever it was, we all have our stories. So slowly we're in touch with these bright beings in touch with our essence our true nature this 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 kind of powerful force of our own souls but then we start learning all sorts of ways two things happens we start learning all sorts of ways to disconnect to not feel to 
to to to to not feel the pain of stuff that's going on with our parents and we start shutting down and in doing that layers build up as we suppress emotions and feelings and and before you know we kind of like start disconnecting losing touch forgetting the power that is inside of us and then we start learning so we develop these survival mechanisms and then we start learning a whole way of being to go into the world and we start going into the world and in relationship to our parents and our loved ones and us friends and school we start learning all sorts of ways to to fit in to be approved you know who do i need to be in order for my mom and my dad to love me who do i need to be and we start mm-hmm. developing a mask and a persona and a character and an identity and a personality and we we hold on to that you know become so identified oh if i'm if i'm a nice guy if i'm sweet if i'm kind if i take care of people then i'm loved so we start creating a, a persona an identity that that we hold very tightly onto that gets certain needs met in terms of avoiding pain but also helps us get love validation approval and the more tightly we hold on to that the more you could say the less free we become and the more we lose touch uh, with the true power of our being and we think we think this created character that we have become no i'm just this way we tell us it's just who i am and i ask people i, I and I really i had to ask myself is who i am who i really am or is it just who i've been created to be who i've been conditioned to be by my past by my programming so i think real power Real power is not based on the personality. Real power is not based on the persona or the ego that is transitory, that comes and goes, that is constantly changing. Real power is when we tap into who and what we really are, which is a powerful, infinite force, the same force that birthed creation, the same force that's living and breathing seven billion human beings, the same force that right now is shining the stars and, 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 and rising the moon and, 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 and doing all aspects of creation. This force is what we are. And when we know what we are, then we don't buy into the stories. We don't buy into the thoughts. We don't buy into the mind. We don't buy into the BS that we've been told. We know who we are. And sadly, so much of our culture today, the media, social media, television, you know, news, networks have an investment in, in distracting you and I mm. from who we really are. Because if we can be distracted and sold this illusion and lie that you are just this body and, you're, and, and in, in being just this body, you're limited. You are just this ego. You are just this little thing. You know, then we get disconnected from our truth. We get disconnected from our soul force. And then we're sold this idea. You're not enough. You're not enough. Hey, Ronnie, you're not enough. You're not. But if you just wear this underwear, drink this beer, you know, wear these socks, you will be enough. But it's going to cost you $4,000. It's going to cost you $100, you know. So we're constantly being distracted from from our true power. And and I think for me, honestly, uh, I have a conviction simply because I've been through a process of having to peel away the layers and really connect with who I really am. And over time, what I found that I that I really am is not this thing called coot is not this personality that you see that, you know, that, that is on camera and people talk to what I really am is what you are is what we all are, which is consciousness, which is infinite, which is life. Mm. So that's where the conviction comes from for sure. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, that lands so profoundly for me and I really love 
one of the things that you're phrasing is this this character creation, this this personality construction that I guess we all we've all created or have had created for us, and then we've just patterned it in and 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 have just operated under oftentimes a false identity and we just assume that's who we are this is how i am this is my personality and these are the moods that i operate under and so on and so forth and i think one of the things that i get a lot from um the quote-unquote power that i feel from you it's not it's yeah it's it's nothing egoic there's a distinction it's 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 Mm -hmm. it's like a wellspring of life force that is unapologetic but it's also non-aggressive or non-oppressive in a way where um it's just real it's Mm -hmm. real and it's powerful and it's it's authentic and that's what i really resonate with you is that um you it's transformative i want to say just just having this conversation with you is shifting something inside of me that i just uh, i have to say thank you for awesome oh well i'm i'm honored to just be here and show up and let what happened happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, let's let's pivot for a minute here. Now, I wanna I wanna ask. I usually ask like an origin story of all the guests, right? You know, um, like a superhero origin story. And I know a little bit more of your backstory because I've studied your work and heard many of your interviews mm-hmm. with other people. And this is the way that I want to frame it and hand it off to you. Uh, how did your journey evolve from being the son of a healer growing up to mm. finding your own unique path and now being the powerful force for transformation that you are today? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, my father was a was a healer, so I grew up seeing. For those that don't know, you know, blind people see and deaf people hear. My first memory as a young boy was literally. One of them was being a chubby kid lost in the crowd and seeing this crippled woman crawling on the floor. And uh, she couldn't walk, and, and, and she picks up the sand that this man walks on, wipes it on her face, and stands up. You know, this man was my father. So week after week, I grew up seeing blind people see, and, 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 and people come in crutches and walk out without their crutches, and you know, cancer being cured, and mm. all sorts of wild and amazing things uh, that my, you could say, miracles that came through my father. And, but I knew. You know, if I'm honest, I really knew that that wasn't my path. Age eight, I started speaking in his church. Fourteen, I was ordained as a minister, given a mandate to take over. But when that moment happened, honestly, I knew that that wasn't my path. I knew in my gut, but I'll be honest, I was afraid, and I wanted my father's love. I wanted his acceptance. My my life was set out for me, and he had expectations for my life, and I was afraid to disappoint him, the community, the people around, and I and I just didn't have the courage at the time at 14 to say no and uh it took me many years but one the beginning of the you could say transformation and you to answer your question happened because i felt the truth in my heart many times we feel the truth many times and i'm sure those listening have related many times we feel the truth in our hearts we feel something we feel something something's off something's not quite right and we feel it but we deny it and we're afraid to to sometimes really acknowledge the truth because we're afraid if i really acknowledge the truth what will be the consequences maybe i'll have to leave this relationship maybe my life will fall apart maybe i'll be broke maybe it won't work what will i do how will i survive so we're afraid of the consequences so what we do is we rationalize oh it's not so bad you know this relationship is not so bad i can make it work this job is okay it's, you know and we basically bs ourselves and we rationalize we settle and we lie to ourselves and so i think to really shift we have to give up 
lying and start telling the truth to ourselves, which is what I had to do. And I realized this is not my path. And it took me four years to have the conversation with my father. I read a book by a man called J. Krishnamurti, mm. Indian scholar, mystic, enlightened man, so to speak, one of the great thinkers of the, you know, of the last hundred years and wrote many, many books. Uh, and I really relate, this is when the beginning started, I really related to his life and, and he was being groomed to be the spiritual teacher of the world. He was, and this was kind of my life and I could really relate and he had all these expectations and, you know, much, much, you know, he was much older than me, but when he was around, I think 29 ish, he left everything behind because he said a free mind is not a conditioned mind and he dissolved his organization, left everything and when I read that I just you know those oh shit moments I just knew like oh my god this is it like hit me in the gut like this mm. I, I know what I need to do mm. and I knew what my path was I knew I had to leave but I was terrified I was terrified so I you know rationalized and did all the things that, that we do as human beings to keep things uh, in our comfort zone. Mm. But when I was 18, I finally uh, made a decision because I could see my future in front of me. And I knew that if I followed the expected path, if I followed, I would simply be living someone else's life. And I looked in that, down that road and I realized I might be successful by everyone else's standards, but I would be totally miserable that I would be literally living dead and it was so painful when I let myself feel the pain of that decision of following in my father's footsteps. Uh, because it wasn't aligned for me, I, I, it was incredibly painful. And to be honest, I, I, I just I made a decision that nothing and no one was worth compromising my soul. Nothing was worth compromising my deepest truth. And I decided to leave and come to America, and I came here with two suitcases, knew no, knew no one in the country, simply following my soul, simply following a dream, no idea where I was going, totally in the unknown. And uh, that's when I believe when, you, when we really follow our deepest truth, when we really follow our souls, when we really follow our true calling, the universe rises to support us moment to moment to moment it may not unfold how we expect it may not unfold according to our mentalized plan that is devised <laughs> by our mind the mind which is limited you know but our soul knows our soul knows and i think as we move into this new paradigm this new era this new age we have to trust our souls mm. our souls that really it knows everything because part it is everything so to speak it is connected with everything and uh so i left everything behind man and uh came to america two suitcases won a green card in the lottery that's when i knew the universe was really supporting me won a green card in the lottery uh came to it <laughs> thousand dollars went and found teachers and mentors and started to carve my own way and i was you know i have i was broke when i came to this country you know i was eating bread for a week stealing food from supermarkets because i had no food you know uh mopping floors riding buses living in a 250 dollar a month uh apartment and you know 250 dollar a month of a small studio you can kind of see what kind of situation that is mm -hmm. and uh i was sleeping on the floor uh with no furniture and i was totally i mean at the deepest level i was happy 
because mm-hmm. I knew, I knew, I was, I was on course. I knew I was following my truth, and there was a peace. There was a peace, and that's what really began, you know. And 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 how I got to today was I went and found teachers and mentors, all the folks I'd read about as a kid, and then I started traveling the world. I went to places like. Uh, Bali and Thailand, studied with monks, and to, to Japan, studied Zen, to Israel, studied with rabbis, to India, studied with enlightened sadhus, mystics, gurus, and uh, went on a quest of really wanting to understand why we're here, and who are we, and what is the nature of life, and what's the purpose of this whole crazy wild existence, and why are some people miserable when they have every reason to be happy, and why are some people happy when they have every reason to be miserable? And I wanted to understand this whole thing called life, and and so I went on a quest, and and that's what really tapped me into a deep level of freedom, and took me through a journey of healing. And then I came back and said, you know, I, I want people around the world to experience the freedom I I feel, and and know that it's possible, you know. And, and then I start coaching people and working, and and slowly, 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 everything started expanding. And, and my work starts spreading around the world. So it's been, it's been a hell of a journey. You know? But one thing I'll say is, to, to answer your question, is I made a choice, and I would invite everyone listening, I made a choice that I would never compromise myself for anyone, my soul, that is, you know, my essence, my deepest truth. I would not compromise that for anyone. I would not compromise that for fame, for money, for anything. And I made a decision that I would be obedient to my soul, that I would be obedient to that deep knowing inside and I think that has been a guiding force ever since. And I believe when we do that, we, we really set ourselves up to live an authentic life and uh, have, no matter what happens in the world, we have a level of peace in our hearts. Ooh. Yeah, I have to be in, in the, the spirit of complete transparency and authenticity. Um, this, is, this is piercing through or into me very deeply and... Um, you know, there's a number of questions that are kind of emerging in me, but one of the things I, I think you you just mentioned something that just struck a chord with me, and I just want to reflect back a quick question to you to clarify. Yes, yes. You said that there's a choice, essentially, to be made, right? The point of power, as Anthony Robbins often will say, is that power comes in making a decision on... Mm. Mm-hmm. Do you, did you find in your path that you had to sometimes make that decision more than once? Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think many times we make that decision over and over again. Okay. You know, and, and you know, I believe that we're all right, destined to be great. We all, it's not, let me rephrase that. We're not even destined to be great. We, <laughs> we, we actually already are great. You know, what's living us. What is breathing you and me right now is greatness. It is the great force. So how can we not be great whether we do anything or don't do anything? And I think, I think life is constantly seeking to express itself through us. Mm-hmm. And many of us, we want to do great things. We want to be Elon Musk or Gandhi or Oprah or Mother Teresa, J.K. Rowling, you know, Malala Yousafzai, the, the Nobel Peace Prize winner. We want to do great things, but greatness is not something that just happens to us. Greatness, is, yes. to me, is not something that's just bestowed from the clouds. It's what we essentially are. But the question is, will we in our lifetimes manifest and embody the fulfillment of that potentiality? 
will we manifest the full potential of that greatness through our human form? It's the seed of what's inside of us already. But will we really do that? And so few people really manifest that full potential. And I think it's not something that is bestowed upon us like some mystical gift from the heavens. It's not something that's given to us based on the family you come from or the caste system or your social structure. It's a moment-to-moment-to-moment choice. It's a choice that we get to make moment-to-moment-to-moment-to-moment-to-moment. And we can't go to sleep because many times... What often happens is we do something great, we hit a certain level, we create a level of success, and we keep doing that thing over again because it works, whether it's huge success, whatever success means, it's working. Whatever it is that works, it got us a need, it got us love, it got us to the level that we're at, but I believe to get to the next level, we can't keep doing the same thing, and sometimes the danger is... We do something and it works. We get reinforced. People say, oh, you're so great. You're amazing. This is fantastic. And we keep doing that thing over and over and over and over and over and over because it works, but we're not growing anymore. We're not evolving anymore. We're not evolving into the next level of our greatness anymore. So I think we have to be aware. We have to be vigilant. We have to be conscious that we're growing and evolving. And, and, and that moment-to-moment awareness and that moment-to-moment choice is key. Mm, thank it's you. Moment to moment. Thank you for clarifying that and articulating that. That really, uh, I think that's really helpful for all of us that are on the path. And and I, I do find myself personally rubbing up against that discomfort of you know hitting one of those strides where I do something and I get exponential results and whatever it is that I'm involved in, and then it feels really good, almost like I'm riding a wave. But then I catch I catch that that point where I feel stagnant and I keep doing the same thing that got me to where I am. But then I'm like, wait a minute, this this isn't working anymore. It feels like I'm pushing a boulder up a hill. Mm-hmm. And so there's constantly that little bit of rub. And what you just shared really helps to um, clarify is that what got me or what got any of us to where we at where we're at is not what's going to get us to the next uh, level in our unfoldment. Exactly. And I think we always have to be constantly expanding our edge and going where it's a little scary, you know. Yes. So so often, you know, we do the same thing over and over again because it works and then success can become a trap, yes. so to speak. Success can be we become a prisoner of our own success. We become a prisoner of what we know. And the question we typically ask ourselves is okay, what's not working and how can I improve? I mean, that's great, but that's kind of a a sort of linear question. I think the exponential move is where we start asking ourselves, well, what is working right now? What's working right now? Mm -hmm. And how is doing more of that actually limiting or inhibiting the next level of my evolution? How is doing more of what's actually working getting in the way? And I think we have to attack it. We have to go directly to it. We have to, rather than waiting for life to move on us, we have to become like those big wave surfers. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the big wave surfing, but should you were in Hawaii, so you probably saw some surfers come out, people like Kelly Slate and Laird Hamilton. I mean, these these crazy, (laughs) crazy men, you know. These guys, they don't wait for the waves. They have a whole network, and they, like, call each other up and go, hey, yo, there's a big wave coming to Maui. There's a big wave coming to Indonesia. And they go seek out the big wave. Mm. They don't be like, well, you know, last year or last month, I rode a pretty cool wave. I think I'll ride a smaller wave. I mean, no, no, no. They're looking for the big wave. 
So I think we have to be expanding ourselves and challenging ourselves for the big wave. To me, the, the end result is not the issue. Whether we achieve the thing, whether we don't achieve the thing is not the issue. I believe that we incarnate into life because we are here as souls to grow, to evolve, and learn lessons. How we grow, evolve, and learn lessons are through experiences and relationships. And obviously, if we're learning and growing, we're not going to do them perfectly. We don't have to do them perfectly. But I think what we have to do is redefine our definition of success from just what we achieve what we got, status, acquisition, although, look, there's nothing wrong with having a billion dollars, $50 billion, cars, homes, what have you. It's all great, but I think real success, we can't lose sight of the real game and the real purpose for life, which is the evolution of our souls. And I think real success is not just what you achieve. It is the degree to which you evolve and become who you are meant to be because at the end of our lives, we don't take any of this stuff with us. No car, no Grammy, no Oscars, no shoot, <laughs> no sock, no, no, no flip-flop, no nothing. All we take with us is the evolution of our souls and the degree to which we realized who and what we really were. That's it. Nothing else. So I think if we understand that, then we, need to, we have a responsibility to keep to remember the game. We've forgotten the game. It's like we go to an airport, right? Imagine you went to an airport. You just said you moved here from, from Hawaii. You had to get on a plane, right? So <laughs> imagine you go to the airport and you see someone chilling at the airport and they're hanging out. And you're like, yo, what, what are you doing? I'm just, just setting up shop at the airport. Where are you going? No, 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 no. I'm just hanging out. I'm going to build a home at the airport. I'm just like, you know, that person's kind of forgotten that the airport really is... is, is is a passageway of, of, to the next destination. So this process of life, I believe, is we can't forget the game, the real game as to why we're really here. It's to evolve. And I think so long as we're growing and evolving, and I think that's the question we have to keep asking ourselves, am I growing and evolving? Am I becoming who, more of myself? Did I become more of myself? How did I grow and evolve today? How did I grow and evolve this year? So what will we, and what will I have to let go of? What will I have to release? What patterns, what thought forms, what addictions, what ways of being will I have to let go of that are actually not, that's no longer serving me, that's, get, that's getting in the way of me becoming more of who I really am, that is no longer aligned with what it is that's seeking to express through me now. Mm. I think we can be courageous in our own evolution, knowing this is why we're here, this is the game of life, then I think we can set ourselves up to win. Wow. Uh, You know, what you just said right there to me is the crux of the matter. And, you know, my specialty as a speaker and as an author and as a transformation coach very much is uh, in the integrative nutrition uh, field Mm. and the healing field in nutrition. And what I often will tell people is that Uh, The process of detoxification is essentially stripping away everything that no longer is you in order Mm. to reveal who you really truly are. Mm. And I just, it lines up so perfectly, those two ideas. It's almost like there's there's a psychological, emotional, and physical detoxification and releasing that we're all being called to engage in and to reveal the true masterpiece. Mm, mm, absolutely absolutely that's why we're here man 
It's, what, it's, it's the game that's at hand. And I think we sh- look, I remember being in Egypt and uh, I was in Egypt and I went to see the pyramids and they showed me, hey, this is where Tutankhamun was buried, the Pharaoh, and this is where he put his gold and he was taking all of his stuff his bling, you know, his stuff, to the next life. And uh, <laughs> then I went to the, the Cairo Museum, right? And there's an entire floor where you see all of Pharaoh Tutankhamun, mm-hmm. you know, you see all of King Tut's stuff, and there's gold and there's cheers. I mean, it must be worth millions of dollars by today's standards, but it was an entire floor dedicated to all of his stuff that he was going to take to his next life. And I remember walking around thinking, Tutankhamun is dead. Yeah. His, his stuff is here. Wait a second. Tutankhamun is dead. His stuff is here. <laughs> Tutankhamun is dead. <laughs> his stuff is here. You know, I remember it was like a simple realization. I'm like, we don't, we don't take anything with us. And I think we have to realize that, which then frees us up to realize if I don't take anything with us and I'm here to grow and evolve. And ultimately, you know, we may as well get on with the business, the game of loving fully and giving our gifts to the world. Because no matter if we protect ourselves, if we hold it, if we say, we're not taking any of this stuff with us, you know? And, and uh, so we're here. I believe what we're really here to do is realize who we are and love radically, love deeply and give our gifts to the world. And to me, that's, that's the whole purpose of this whole, this whole beautiful, crazy, wild adventure called life. Oh my goodness. It's, uh, it's, it's, thank you. It's almost like I, I look at everything that I'm hearing as like spiritual sobriety, <laughs> getting out of the intoxication of society. Mm. Um, and, a, and I think this is the perfect segue to talk about your brand new book, You Are the One. And yes. I, I remember, could I remember years ago going to one of your events that you did. Um, I think you did with Chef Rashid, one of those big party events uh, um, oh, yeah, in downtown yeah. LA. The, the Lovestock, Lovestock event. Yes, and I remember. I think the the theme was "You Are the One" or something very similar to that. And uh, I mean, first of all, amazing events right there, and amazing energy that you bring to these things. But let's talk about this book and this idea that you are the one. Yeah. What's that yeah. about for you? I mean, look, the realization for me is is pretty straightforward. I mean, it's you are the one. And I think so many <laughs> of us, we are waiting for someone else. Yeah. You know, well, the government's going to fix it. Well, Really? The next president's going to fix it. Really? My parents are going to fix it and do it. They, and they owe me stuff. Okay, really? My, my brother, my sister, my friend, someone else, someone else is going to step up and, and, and make the change and do it. So, so, so I'll let them do it. You know? And so often we, we look at heroes, whether it's an MLK, a JFK, a Martin Luther, uh, Martin Luther King, a, a Bob Marley, a Muhammad Ali, a Bruce Lee, a, a, an Oprah, an Elon Musk, a Steve Jobs. We look at these great people and go, oh, man, they're so great. But I believe that all these people simply reflected to us, reminded us, held and showed us the possibility of what we can all be. But we often project our power onto them and go, oh my God, they're so amazing. They're so great. And the reality I saw is, wait a second, we need to stop waiting for someone else. Mm -hmm. We need to stop waiting for the government and our parents and our brother and our sister. We need to stop waiting because no one's coming, man. No one's coming. 
And that's not a morbid thing. And, and let me explain. No one's kind of, what I realized, see, how, how the whole seed for the book and the title of the book came about was many years ago. It's connected to when I first moved to the U.S. When I first moved to the U.S., I had nothing. And I was, for the first period of time, I was a little upset. And here's why. I was mad at the world because I thought I was following my path. I thought I was doing the right thing. I was being a good person. And I was broke. I was suffering. I had no money. I had no idea how the hell I was going to eat. And I was mad at God because I felt like God should have rolled the, opened the red carpet, mm. you know, and just like exploded my life to the next level because I was following my path. But let me tell you something. Sometimes when you get in touch with your purpose and you follow your destiny, you follow your path, it's not always easy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's actually quite challenging. And the, and the reason I say that is sometimes the bigger your vision, the bigger the challenge is because those challenges are testing you. And they're actually dreams and goals are actually evolutionary mm-hmm. uh, that they have to – your dreams and goals will take you on a journey of having to become the person who is capable yes. of fulfilling the dream. So you may be given a dream right now. And just because you're given a dream right now doesn't mean it's going to happen right now. doesn't mean it's going to happen in 30 days, 90 days. It will happen when you have become the person capable of holding the vision for that dream, for that vision, for that book, for that idea, for that seminar, for that new business, for that relationship. We have to become. So there I was. I was sitting in my $250 a month apartment, broke as hell, mad at the world. I was such an entitled person. I realized I was so ungrateful to life. And I had these expectations like life owed me, God owed me, my parents owed me. And what I had to give up was connected to the book. What I had to give up is no one owes this idea that someone owes me something. I realized no one owes me anything. God doesn't owe me anything. God's given me everything, life health, hands, uh, the ability to breathe. I've been, we've been given so much. My, my dad doesn't owe me anything. I'm not saying it wouldn't be nice if certain people did things, but this entitlement mentality I realized was limiting my ability to fully step into my power, was limiting my ability and keeping me victim uh, in, in a sense of victimhood. And I realized my dad has already served his part by birthing me into this world, and that is gift enough. And when I stopped focusing on looking to someone else to save me, to do it for me, to love me, to show up in a certain way. And I said, you know what? No one is coming. No, Oprah's not going to show up at my doorstep, at your doorstep and discover you. You know, no one's going to show up at your doorstep and go to the gym to, on your behalf and lose those 30 pounds. No one's going to show up and say, hey, here's a million dollars or let me build my, your business for you. We have to do it because we have the power. We have the power. And I'll say your dreams, your dreams, if you have a dream and you're listening to this interview right now, your dreams have chosen you. Mm-hmm. You might think, we might think that we've chosen our dreams. I believe your dreams have chosen you because you are the perfect person who's able to fulfill that vision with your imperfections, with your brokenness, with your amazingness, with your quirks, with your idiosyncrasies, with your personalities. All that you are, your dreams have chosen you because you're the perfect one who can fulfill the vision. And so I realized in the moment I had to give certain things up. I had to give up the sense that life owed me anything. And I I had to own my power. And sometimes it's a little scary to own. Wait a second. I am the one. See, no one's coming because you're already here. You, you, and everyone listening, we're here. 
Bruce Lee's dead. Bob Marley's dead. Gandhi's dead. Mother Teresa's dead. But we're alive. And so long as we're alive, we can still do something. We can still make a difference. And sometimes to own that responsibility is a little scary. Mm. Because when we own that level of responsibility, there's no going back. There's no excuses. We can't say, well, it's your fault, Ronnie. It's your fault. It's your fault. No, no, no. Now we have to own it and we don't have any excuses anymore. And that can be a little scary. But I think the whole book is, is a bold invitation to say, stop, look, stop looking outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. Stop looking to someone else. The fact that you're alive, the fact that you're here, you've been chosen. You've been chosen by life. <laughs> so do it. Say yes. You're the one, baby. You're the one. Mm. I so appreciate that. I, I oh, It's almost hard to form words in a direct response. Let's take a moment to pause on that one. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. One of the things I think that was coming, coming up for me as you were sharing is, um, it can be a little uncomfortable or, or extremely uncomfortable to recognize that, um, we are not entitled to things, you know, and this is, you know, for everyone listening, I just want to make a quick distinction is that every one of us deserves love. Every one of us deserves to have in and to experience the things that we want. But I don't believe that any of us is entitled to any of it. Is that does that land for you like that distinction? Yeah, yeah that, we, I think mm-hmm. we, we deserve it because we are. it. You know, okay. we deserve we deserve we deserve all the magic and amazingness of the universe but we have to get the sense that we're owed something because the, oh, the, the feeling of being owed, like I'm owed it, right. is an entitlement. And, and when we're in that state, we, it, it creates disempowerment. And what I had to realize for myself is when I gave up that sense, it freed me up to just show up and love. Mm. Just because I gave you something, Ronnie, doesn't mean you owed me anything. Now, I'm not saying it wouldn't be nice if you said, hey, cool, thank you for that. Or I'm not saying it wouldn't be nice if you, were to, you know, if you returned my call. Or it wouldn't be nice if you did X, Y, Z, right? I'm not saying it would be nice if you treated me well. But when I, I realized when I gave up that you owe me, it, I stopped looking for a response. And it shifted my focus back on myself where you no longer determined who I was going to be in the world. Like, well, if I love, I'm only going to love you if you, no, no, no. I decided that I was going to be who I was. And that was my responsibility. I was going to love and you, you or whoever no longer determined how loving I was going to be. Because when, when I stopped looking to you to give me a response to give, it's like, this is who I'm going to be. I'm going to be a force of love. Mm. No matter what, whether you respond or don't respond. If you stand in front of me, if you interact with me, you're going to get the hell loved out of you. You're going to get <laughs> profoundly loved. If you don't want that, just step to the side. But so often when we kind of come at it with a sense of entitlement, then we're like, well, I'll love you if you love me back. I'll give you some love. You know, if you, and, and when we give that up, it frees us up to say, I'm going to give my gifts. I'm just going to give my gifts to life unconditionally. Because if you look, look, if you look at nature, man, if you look at nature, if you look at the sun doesn't say, hey, Ronnie, 
you did your yoga today, and you and you and you you were very kind to five people in your neighborhood. So I'm gonna make I'm going to shine on you today, and tomorrow, what you had a little bad day and you pissed four people off and you and you didn't open the door for the old lady and you just were straight up bad person today. I'm not going to shine on you. Mm-hmm. The, the the love of nature is not dependent on who you're being. The love of nature, and how often are we, you know, how often are we so grateful to nature? I mean, obviously some of us are, but how often are we really grateful to life and nature? It's like the love of life is not dependent on who we're being. It's just unconditionally loving us. It's, it, it's not, nature has no sense of entitlement. Nothing. It just shows up. The sun rises. The moon shines. The water does its thing. The flowers do their, just, just loving you. And I think that's the freedom. It frees us up to be who we are, frees us up to give what we are, and it frees us up to love. Ooh, ooh, punctuation point. Uh, um, wow, thank you for that. You know, with the last, the last bit of time we have together, I'm really, yes. I'm really wanting to ask you, what is your, what is your routine like? What is, do you have like specific rituals that you guide your, your maybe your morning by? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple. I mean, I'm not too, what's the word over fanatical uh-huh. and part of the reason I'm not so over fanatical. There are some things I will absolutely not compromise. I'll tell you what those are. The part why I'm not so over fanatical is sometimes when we get so over identified with a routine, uh, we can get locked into a certain groove that then can block the flow of our own natural energy and creativity from flowing. So I, I, I kind of try to also keep it a little loose. But there's a couple of things I absolutely do every day, and one of those simply is exercise. Every morning, the first thing I do is I wake up, I breathe, give gratitude for a few moments, and I move my body for an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. It looks like I used to run every day. Now I mix it up, and I run when I travel. I uh, run for an hour in the morning, uh, do some stretching. But when I'm in L.A. or when I'm, you know, by a gym in a hotel, I will wake up and I'll go to the gym for about an hour and 15 minutes, do 45 minutes of cardio, half an hour, 35 minutes of light weights, uh, and strengthen my body that way. But every day I start with the basic foundation of, of moving my body, sweating, waking my body up, because from that place, you know, the brain is alert, everything is alert, everything is awake, so mm-hmm. to speak. And uh, then I'm ready to then I'm ready to go. So exercise is something I will not compromise, even if I have to wake up at two a.m. in the morning to catch a six a.m. flight. It's 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 uh, you know even if I have to not go to sleep to just wake up because once I do that, it sets the tone for my entire day. Uh, and then I meditate. You know I'll do a meditation once, sometimes twice a day, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, closing my eyes, going inside, dropping inside, connecting. And uh, so those are two things that I think are foundational, uncompromisable things for me. Okay. Okay. Got it. And that's very simple. That's very easy for people simple. to apply to their own life. You know, we think we have to do these huge things. You know, yeah. I, I'm almost really sick. I mean, I uh, maybe get a cold once every two years. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, I, I, like I'm really sick. Uh, I'm in supreme health. And sometimes, you know, I, I see so many of my friends, they'll do these crazy diets, these crazy routines for like a month. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh, I'm doing this, you know, super, you know, fragilistic kinesis, blah, 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 for a month. <laughs> and then the rest of the month, they're like out of shape, uh-huh. no energy. And then they'll do this crazy, you know, thing where you have to spin upside, uh, hang, you know, upside down and, you know, not breathe for 60 seconds. And it's like, they're great for another month. But for me, I believe it's those, it's those, the power of the small, those small things we do consistently every day. Yes. Sometimes doing them, we don't seem to make a big difference, but over time, really have an impact. And, and, and to me, that's what mastery is about. For me, I'm, I'm committed to mastery. So I think these routines have to be implementable in our daily living, mm-hmm. in our daily life. And that's why I try and keep them as simple as possible so that you know, it's not some extreme thing that I'm not able to sustain as a way of life, not just this diet or routine I'm doing. The other thing I'll do is I'll drink uh, a green juice mm. uh, every day. That's something that's not com- that I really try and do wherever I go. I drink, you know, green powder uh, and also a fresh green juice every day at some point. That's that's great. The other, I mean, this is one routine. The other thing I'll do is I usually drink. For me, it works, uh, and I feel a difference. I usually drink uh, some good, like a three to four liters of water throughout the day since I sweat a lot in my exercise, mm-hmm. and that had a huge impact on my life when I started doing that is really drinking great water uh, and about three to four liters of water a day and that's something that is very consistent like it's a daily thing I, I almost never I don't think I, re- I really miss a day when I don't drink three to four liters of water a day mm-hmm. so simple things you know and I think if we do those simple things you know supplements all of that good stuff it's just you know it's just creating a, a, a foundation for a way of life, I think it's not about getting obsessive about these things where all of a sudden all all, all your routine and your diet and all these things hijack so much of your energy because you're thinking about what you're going to eat and what you're going to do. And then it's like before, you know, it's like all of your energy is going into focusing on just sustaining all these 60,000 routines that's not going into loving and creativity and being present and connected Mm. and offering your gifts with the world. Mm. These routines should simply support your beingness in the world. And I think sometimes we forget that and they hijack us and, and we're not being present fully in the world or present with those because we're so focused on all these optimizing these things, you know, and, yes. and uh, they need to serve who you're being, not the other way around. I really appreciate what you're sharing. And I often say into my lectures because in my world, the nutrition world, it mm. is, you know, I mean, it is full of the most cockamamie complexities like that get to the point of scientific ridiculousness Mm. where you don't even know what the person's talking about after a while (laughs) you don't even know why why it's a good idea to do this because you just got led on this weird kind of rigmarole of information Um, but you don't even know what to do and my whole thing is like um, just helping people to understand that it's not what you do once in a while that makes a huge difference. It's what mm-hmm. you do consistently over a certain period of time that will really shift your state of mind, your your chemistry, your hormone and neurochemistry that will shift whatever the, the physical experience that you're looking to, let's say, optimize or enhance. It's what you do ritualistically, and it can be the small things that you just laid out, drinking water, having a juice – um, stress reduction, like to me, those are, if you can do those things consistently, that trumps any of these huge overarching yeah. things you do once in a while. 
And, and you know, my, my diet is not like super crazy, you know, like esoteric, like it's, it's, it's straightforward. It's as best I can. It's, it's relatively healthy, but it's consistent. You know, it's, I'll give you one funny story because I don't want to take too much time on this, but I was at uh, a, 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 I think maybe you were there too. I won't mention it, but I, I was at a conference uh, related to health and wellness yep. in California, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I won't mention any names, but but I remember one of the vendors they were selling this super duper 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 like <laughs> mush, mush mushroom you know concoction from the glaciers of somewhere you know exotic, and he's like this mushroom is going to change your life. It's going to be super healthy. You got to take this mushroom. Oh my god, this mushroom, this mushroom, this mushroom. Take this mushroom every day. You're going to be flying. You're going to be Superman. You're going to be Buddha. You're going to be enlightened. And, I, and I, I, I almost bought this mushroom thing, right? And I said, wait a second. And I took one look at him. And this is not no joke. And this is no judgment. I took one look at the guy who was selling me the mushroom, and he was like. 80 pounds overweight, 80 pounds overweight, and he looked like he was on the verge of death. (laughs) And I thought, you know what? I'm sorry, I'm not going to buy your mushrooms because I think, and this goes just my point being, he wasn't embodying, he wasn't embodying what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think, as leaders, as coaches, as teachers, as leaders, as health consultants, and, 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 and guides. It's not about what you say. It's about who you're being. And it's about embodying your message and living it and, and not just teaching it, but, but how do you live your life? How do you show up in your relationships? To me, spirituality isn't being able to meditate and spirituality isn't being able to put your, head, your, your leg behind your head in some esoteric yoga pose. Spiritual, to me, being really spiritual is, yes, being connected to who you are, but also translating that into the world where do you do what you say you're going to do? And if you, do, you, can, do you, can you have mastery over your own mind? Can you have mastery over what you put into your body? Can you have mastery over your thoughts? Can you follow through mm-hmm. on things? Can you live in integrity? Basics to me, this is wow. spiritual. This is spiritual to really show up in that way with authenticity and integrity in the world. So I think the world needs more leaders who show up the world needs more leaders who don't just talk about it but are embodying the transformation and level of consciousness because i think that you know i think it was emerson that said who you are speak so loudly i can't hear what you're saying mm-hmm. and i think it's time that we need folks that are the real deal who are living and breathing their transformation coop blackson you are a leader among leaders and you my friend are the real deal and i'm so grateful to share this conversation with you to share it with my audience and this is something that i'm going to be listening to over and over um because there's so many gems and there's so in the and again it's it's the resonance Mm. that comes through the authenticity of your embodiment is what comes through for me and teaches me to be more of an embodiment for what is coming through me so thank you Mm. Mm. well it's a real pleasure it's a real joy Thanks for having me. It's been it's been fun, man. It's been a lot of fun hanging with you today and everyone. How can everyone get a copy of your book? Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best way that people can get a copy of the book, and I'm excited that you will read it because it is uh, it's a love letter from my heart to the world. Uh, became a bestseller. Also, it is uh, you can find out more and purchase the book and receive five incredible uh, exclusive free gifts in terms of videos and what have you at uh, www. 
www.youarethe1book.com. That's www.youarethe1book.com. And I just invite everyone to check it out there, buy the book, share it, let me know how you enjoy it, get your free gifts. And uh, there's lots of videos also online that are free that you can get access to. And I look forward to connecting with, with you all when we do. Mm, beautiful. Well, everyone, here you have it. Another episode of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show with our incredible guest, Coop Blackson. Make sure that you do get a copy of his book. As many of you know that have followed me over the years, I don't just promote anything or I don't I don't actually say the words you must or you have to or even you should but all those words apply in this context um, I followed Coot's work for many years and if you don't get the buzz already from this interview then I, I don't know what to do for you this this <laughs> was absolutely incredible and you know what to do get this book on my recommendation um, I'm actually about to do that same thing right now so Anyways, I'm just so excited about this, and I'm ready to go and seize the day from this interview. So thank you so much, Coop, for joining me. And for all of you listening, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show, and we will tune in next time. Aloha. Mm -hmm.